Good morning to all of our online guests. It's so good to have each and every one of you with us. I hope you've enjoyed the worship so far. Uh, I sure have. Uh, of course, it's always a joy to uh, worship with our Bridge family. Um, I miss you guys so much. And I just want to tell you something. I love you very, very much, and I miss you. Let's pray that, that God will bring us all back together so that we can all worship together again. I want to jump right into the Word of God today. My heart has been full. I feel like God has something for us today in this crazy times, these unprecedented times, I guess. But listen to me. I, I truly believe that, that we are on the brink of something new, a, a, a neat opportunity, a, a new methods, a, a retooling, a, a new anointing in order to take us closer to the blessing that, well, God only knows, and, and, and closer to fulfilling his purpose, to fulfilling his promise. I'd like to try something different today. I don't have my, my uh, amen corners here, if you will, uh, but since we're online, let us know that you're, you're there. What I'd like to try to do here, uh, if you're ready, if you love God, and that's the requirement to get involved here, if you love God, all you need to do is, if you love God, I want you to go out and just say amen, Put in the comments, amen. I don't know, click on the, the, the love button, uh, whatever. Just let us know that you're out there. I'm gonna give you a couple seconds to do that. And then I wanna read to you <clears throat> Romans chapter eight, verse 28. It says, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Notice that it says all things, not just some things, not just the good things, but all means even the hard things, all, all, all the painful and the unexpected things, all includes the disasters, the crises that we're in, all means circumstances that leave you feeling powerless, that leave you feeling vulnerable. For all of you watching online today, God's given me a message for you. I want to tell you about this incredible young teenage boy by the name of Joseph. Um, Joseph was the 11th son of Jacob, and, but he was actually the first son by his favored wife, uh, Rachel. At the age of 17 years old, uh, Joseph is coming back from the fields, uh, uh, shepherding the flocks, if you will, with his half-brothers. And <clears throat> when he gets back, he tells his dad uh, basically some of the things that were going on out there, the things that his, their brothers hadn't done right. And he was basically telling on his brothers. This makes me, it reminds me of whenever I was just a young boy, my uh, much older brother, seven years older and nine years older, uh, they just horse play, just goof around, just having a good time. We'd do that all the time. And we were into sports, very athletic and all that kind of thing, just playing around. They'd punch on me or something, and, or, or they'd trip me with a little bit more oomph, or they would tackle me with just a little bit more gusto. And then when they hurt me, they'd try like crazy, man, to, to keep me quiet, <laughs> especially if my dad was around. Hand over my mouth, I mean, like suffocating me with, with their hand, trying to keep me quiet, steep, whatever. Please don't, don't cry. Don't, no, please, you know, we'll do anything. Just, just shut up, you know, just be quiet. They knew that if dad had found out that they had hurt me, that they, they were dead. They were dead. And, and, and just so you know, I definitely melted that for all it was worth. Um, we did that. Oh, oh, oh really? Anything? <laughs> anything? Uh, <coughs> yeah, anything. Just, just, just be quiet. 
But if I didn't like the, the, what they were offering to me, if I didn't like, if the negotiation process didn't go well, well, here comes my dad. And, and you know, he's, 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 he takes care of business with my, with my brothers and they paid the price. You know, I had to keep him honest. I had to keep him honest. Uh, how many of you little brothers know what I'm talking about out there? The Bible says that Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. And, and he made this special robe for Joseph. And this, of course, just made his brothers uh, all that much more jealous. And, and, and they, just, they just hated. They, they knew that he was their, uh, their dad's favorite. And, and they just they, they hated him. It made matters worse when Joseph started sharing dreams that he was getting from God to his family. Prophetic visions about, you know, revealing that Joseph one day was going to rule over the brothers, rule over all of them. It just made it all worse, and, and the hostility towards Joseph grew uh, to the point was just like their brothers, you know what, they plotted, oh, we're going to kill this kid. I mean, we're going to take him out in the wilderness, and we're going to kill him. And, and the oldest brother, Reuben, he just couldn't get past the fact that I'm not going to murder my youngest, my little baby brother. So he suggested, let's, let's throw him in the pit. Let's throw him in this dried up well. And, you know, his brother, you know, thought in the back of his mind, I'll just come back and, and rescue him whenever, you know, the, the brothers leave or whatever. Well, while Reuben had left, um, some merchants came by. And, well, Judah, the next oldest brother, decides, hey, this is an opportunity. Let's just sell Joseph to, to these, these merchants, uh, basically into slavery, and, and be gone with him. And they, they do this, and, of course, Reuben didn't make it back in time to save his brother, to rescue his brother. And so the other brothers, they decide, you know what? I'm, we're going to take his robe, and, and we'll dip it in goat's blood, and we'll take it back to dad and tell him, you know, I must have been, you know, your favorite son. He, he, he must have gotten killed by some wild beast or whatever. Call me, call me weak, but... Over the last um, uh, few weeks, Crystal and I have been navigating through, um, let's just call it uncharted waters for us. Um, but right in the middle of it all, I, I was sitting in my chair and contemplating what was happening. And, and Crystal came up to me and she wrapped her arms around me and she just laid her head on my chest and we just held each other. And I'll never forget <clears throat> the overwhelming sense of comfort that I, I felt at the time. It was like, even if the wheels fell off of this thing altogether, you know what? At least we've got each other. And that was so comforting. You know, I shared um, what had happened with my boys and their words mean the world to us and shared it with my brothers and shared it with our brother and sister-in-law and some of my nephews and, and nieces reached out. Our lifelong friends reached out, of course, and he, he you know, put the silver lining in it like he always does. And, and, and he said, you know, it made us laugh. And he said, we, we got your back, Steve, you know, and Crystal. And, 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 and some of you who knew what was happening, knew what's happening, reached out to me. And, and we had this just such incredible, incredible, incredible support system. But when I was reading this story about Joseph, the 17-year-old kid, he had none of that. I mean, it, it, was, it, it wasn't just that, that, that he didn't get support from his family. It was his family that was after him. It was his family that wanted to kill him. It was his family who did this to him. 17 years old and literally, literally all alone with no, no support system whatsoever. I want to throw a shout out to those who do live alone 
um, for those who maybe even feel alone going through all of this by yourself, maybe Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says, God, God says, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And I just wanted to tell somebody who may be thinking that right now, that you are never alone. Never alone. So then Joseph, who was sold to the merchants, they arrive with him in Egypt. And and the merchants end up selling him to this high-ranking Egyptian by the name of Potiphar. And Joseph, with just a shepherd boy's um, experience. He knew nothing else. That's what he's done his life. And all of a sudden, this new world, this unbelievable opportunities are existing, found some new skills that he didn't know that he even had, some different things that were going on. Uh, God-given skills, opportunities just, you know, happened for him in this situation. And Joseph becomes the, the supervisor over Potiphar's home. His whole household. Joseph excelled. He made, he made the best out of the situation. Unfortunately, Potiphar's wife was trying to make the best out of the situation too uh, by making and seducing uh, uh, Joseph. And Joseph had to constantly sidestep her advances, showing, of course, honor to his, his master who entrusted him with everything, uh, his whole household. But one day, she caught Joseph. She, she actually actually got a hold of his robe and, and tried to make this sexual advance at him. And he was able to somehow break away from her, but not without her grabbing that robe and holding on to it. And in anger, she used that robe as evidence to falsely accuse Joseph of attempted rape. And Potiphar, of course, the husband, uh, has Joseph thrown into prison. And all alone again, here we go. Uh, Joseph hasn't done anything wrong, just a young man, and now not only alone again, but in prison. But in prison, in prison, another new opportunity arises. And he, he, so he helps this uh, to correctly interpret the dreams of two other uh, inmates. And one of the guys, because of Joseph's correct interpretation, was released from jail. He was able to be restored back into the palace uh, and to his position as the king's cupbearer. But, but the cupbearer, once he got into the palace, completely forgot about Joseph. So once again, we find Joseph sitting in prison now for two more years for something that he didn't even do. And finally, finally, after two years, the king himself had some troubling dreams that, that no one else could figure out, that no one else could, could interpret. It just went on for a bit. And, and all of a sudden, this cupbearer realized and remembered that Joseph had these gifts of interpretation. So the king summoned Joseph and told him about the dreams. And, and based off of Pharaoh's dreams, Joseph predicted seven years of bountiful blessing, of bountiful harvest, followed by seven years of famine in Egypt. And he advised the king. He said, king, you better start now. You better start preserving. You better start storing back and holding back some of this grain for this upcoming drought. And finally, because of his wisdom, Joseph was made second in charge of all of Egypt. Joseph was in charge of, of storing up the food uh, during the, the, the years of plenty. And then he was also in charge of rationing it out or, or selling it to the, the Egyptians or to the foreigners who would come in during those famine, during that famine land. Now, listen, I, I, want, I want to tell you something. This is important here. Because of this young man, 
because of this one young man, the world at that time was saved from starvation, was saved from death. I'm gonna say, I'm going on a limb here and say, probably none of us would be here today if it weren't for this young man who trusted in a dream and, and, and worked through these unbelievably pressing times in his life. And I use pressing times there intentionally because it's a term that's used in scripture by Jesus. They pressed grapes under the feet as part of the uh, process of making wine. Uh, uh, part of the process of making wine was no fun for the vineyard. Every uh, season, its fruit would get plucked. And then the grapes would have to be trampled on or pressed down to squeeze out the juice. And then there's this uh, fermenting time. There's this, this, this waiting period that, that the longer you wait, the more aged the wine, the better the wine they say is. But there's this time of plucking, there's this time of, of pressing, there's this time of waiting. And it's all the process of, of making wine, fine wine. Every step, every single step in the process is essential to reach the end goal, to reach the purpose. And there's a time of pressing before the promise. You see, Joseph had the dreams, but there was still a time that had to go through of plucking. There was a time of pressing. There was a time of waiting before the promise was fulfilled. You see, there's a, a, another very similar concept in scripture that's used with olives. They would press uh, olives and make olive oil. They had all kinds of uses for olive oil. And these olives were pressed on this, on this wheel that was uh, kind of gauged and levered by these millstones and based on the weight that they needed. And, and the more stones, the less weight would be on the wheel as it turned around and, 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 and pressed on the, on, the, on the olives. And of course, if all the uh, stones were gone, then all the weight was on the wheel. And it would just turn around and it would go around. And what was interesting to me is I found out that when they pressed olives, they pressed them three times. And I found this interesting. Each time when they pressed it, it would be with more pressure until, you know, finally they were ended up crushing the remnants that were there. The first time of pressing was with the least amount of pressure. And the wheel would go around and it would press on these olives and, and, and the, the oil, just a little bit of oil would come out. And this little bit of oil, it was the best oil. I mean, it was the, the most pure, the most holy, the most expensive oil. And this oil is for God always. You see, the first things are, 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 are given to God always. So, so they took the oil and they took it to the temple and they used it to light the candles. They used it to anoint the kings and the priests and the prophets. And then there was the second pressing. And the second pressing was with a, a bit more pressure. And, and, and of course, with a bit more pressure became a lot more oil. And this oil was not, not as pure. It wasn't used for God. It was used for humans. It was used for their cooking. It was used for uh, making perfume. And then there was the third pressing. The third pressing was with all of the weight. And all the weight going around with, on that wheel and pressing down on the remnants of, of the olives that were there, it, it, it was cr actually crushing them as it would go around. And, and at this time, the oil that would come out, a lot of oil would come out, but it would come out and it would be dirty oil. And that oil wasn't used for God. It wasn't used for humans. It was used for their, their oil lamps. But the reason why I bring this up, the reason why I want you to notice this is because um, each time, each time that, that there's a time of pressing, there was a new opportunity. There was a new thing. There was a new use, a, a different use, a new opportunity for the oil. Jesus used these 
pressing illustrations more than once in scripture. He grew up around this stuff. It was all around his daily life. And with everything going on, this concept of, of times of pressing, just it leaped out at me and, and, and it arrested my attention. And I, 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 I think somebody here needs to hear that the time of pressing is just a stage. It's just a stage. We all go through tough times, hard times. Certainly this, with this pandemic, we're all pressed, if you will. Some of small and, and even larger uh, businesses, the employers are going through rough times, uh, shutting things down in some cases, employees being terminated or furloughed, schools and daycares being shut down are, are closed up. And this even puts more pressure on the working parents that, that, that are out there. And some of them single parents where now all of a sudden they're juggling not just their work responsibilities, but they're juggling you know, uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner and all the stuff in between. And, and then on top of that, teaching their kids because they're not going to school. All this is leaving people in a state of worry about their economic and physical and mental well-being and getting increasingly anxious, increasingly unhappy and confused and even lonely. Some of you are just bored. Some of you are worried that if you don't get back to work, you're gonna you know, uh, be putting on even more weight. All of this is intensified by the fear of maybe even catching the, the virus itself. But like the story of Joseph, we need to remember the times of pressing the, the times of crushing are not the end. Um, crushing is just a stage. It's not the destination. Don't allow this step in the process to become permanent in your life. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, it says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. See, so first, you gotta realize it's just a stage. And secondly, the stage, I want you to know that the stage positions you for the promise. I wanna go back and, and talk about Joseph for a second. Can you imagine at, the, at 17 years old being hated by your own brothers? I mean, hated enough to, to wanna kill you, hated enough to wanna get rid of you. I can't, the, enor the enormous uh, flood of emotions that must have been going through Joseph, uh, the deep, the deep, deep, deep hurt, the deep uh, sense of betrayal that, that he must have felt. And by the one group of people in his life that if, I mean, like if everything else, if, no, if everybody hates my guts, man, as long as my family's got my back. But, but Joseph didn't have that. I mean, Joseph, the, the youngest brother didn't have that. For many of us, just this happening to us would break us down. I'd be like, you know what? I'm down for the count. Our life is done, you know? But what I want you to think about here is if that would have happened to Joseph, like if it would have been over for him or out down for the count, if that would have happened, Joseph wouldn't have excelled to the supervisor position over Potiphar's house. And then of course, he wouldn't have been falsely accused of rape and he would have been thrown into prison. This young kid been, you know, betrayed by his family and, and accused of rape and then thrown into prison. Everything is going against him. I mean, like there's nothing right that's going on. Yet, listen, notice this. He still somehow is in a frame of mind while in prison to help others. 
he interprets this dream. So, so this guy gets out of prison. Joseph wasn't sulking. He wasn't thinking about his troubles. He's trying to help others who are in the, by the way, the exact situation that he's in. <coughs> the only thing he wanted is he said, just remember me when you get to the palace. But once again, we find Joseph is forgotten. And now this time for two years, he sits in prison just waiting. I don't know anybody that would have a positive outlook on life that, that would be sitting in, in, in his position. Yet somehow, some way, Joseph did. In James chapter 1, verse 2 and 4, it says, 2 through 4, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let that perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, it's our nature, guys, that whenever you know something like this happens, that we do everything possible to fix it, that we like minimize the suffering, that we get through it as, as fast. God, please press the fast forward button on this, on this crisis so that we can get back to normal. But guys, our normal just might be what God's trying to shake us out of. I believe God is trying to alter our perspectives today and have all, you know, all this bad news that's going around and everything that's happened being thrown at us, all different angles. Like, like Joseph, instead of kicking against every twist and every turn that comes your way, embrace them, embrace the twist, embrace the turn as it comes. And instead of being consumed with the economy and everything, the negative stuff that's going around, it's, it's how can I help somebody who's in the exact situation I'm in? Instead of you know, going, man, I'm going nuts here with, in the house with all the kids and, and having to you know, work at the same time. You know what? Embrace the twist. Embrace that turn. Drop some of your TV time. Drop some of your Facebook time or, or uh, phone time or whatever it is. Spend more time with them. Put some time in. Play, play with them. Have some good quality time. Sit around the table and have dinner with them. Take advantage of it and instill some even more good uh, values into them. Read a book or have them read a book to you. I mean, uh, read uh, the Bible, uh, a Bible story to them. Have a little devotional with them. Pray with them every night now that you've got a little bit of time with them that they're home. All of us are moving in such a fast pace. And I believe God could be saying, you know, let's slow this a bit. Let's, let's slow this down a bit. Let's, let's give us some time to reflect. Let's give us some time to refocus our perspective, refocus our direction, refocus our priorities. God's shaking us up, even to the point where our own government has paused their normal gridlock uh, approach to kind of get through us and, and start working together for a common goal. Maybe God's trying to shake us up because we're spoiled. Let's embrace that. I mean, let, let, let's reset the, the, the appreciation and values compass in our life. My grandparents and my, <clears throat> my, my parents went through the Great Depression and they knew somehow how to squeeze every bit of value of whatever it is they were working on. And I think we've lost that value. This is a great opportunity for some of us to hit the reset button in many ways. Uh, and, not just, and not just endure the, the time of pressing, not just endure or get through the stage, but thrive because of it. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace 
for those who have been trained by it. Crystal, on Friday night, sent this quote out to the boys, and I I just thought it was so good, so I want to read it to you. Your dream may seem like it's a million miles, a million years, or a million dollars away. But don't despise the days of small beginnings. If you do little things like they are big things, someday God will do big things like they're little things by Mark Batterson in the book, If, and I think she's probably read that a couple times, but it's a good book, check it out. Um, My final thought for today is focus on the promise. Focus on the promise. There's no way after Joseph's dream that he could have ever imagined, you know, what was about to happen to him, what was about to unfold in the journey that he was about to take. But, But he did have the dreams and he did know the interpretation. And somehow, somehow, he was able to stay focused on the promise of God. Guys, with this pandemic, it's coming at us at all angles, as I mentioned. You know, right? News, TV, uh, internet, you just name it, even this message. You know, everybody's talking about it. And, and, and when we let our minds gravitate towards the problems and begin to focus in on them, we, what we do is we magnify them. We make them bigger. Uh, and and kind of interesting enough, we, we, we're not actually changing their size at all. Uh, we, we only make it bigger in our mind. We only make it bigger than it, it really is. It changes actually, though, our perceptive, our, our perception uh, of the actual size or issue of the issue itself. Just like if... Um, I'm holding, I don't know, a nice clear day, my hand out, and I hold my thumb up uh, against the sun. I hardly see my thumb. I mean, it's like, you know, the sun is so huge and so big and enormous. And, and all I got to do is start bringing my thumb closer and closer to me. And the closer my thumb gets to me, the more distorted the, the, the sun begins to get. And to the point where if, my, if I get it so close, right up next to my eye, I can't even see the sun. And you know, my thumb has got to be billions or trillions of times smaller than the sun is, but it's getting close and, and, and we're focusing in on it. It looks bigger than this ginormous object that heats the entire earth, and yet I can't even see it because my, my thumb is right in front of my face. And this is the same way that you, you, if, if you stay focused on the problem, if you stay focused on this, this, this stage, if you will, of the process, if you stay focused uh, in on the, the times of pressing, it's going to block, guys. I'm telling you right here, it's going to block the amazing future that God has planned for you and I. You need to quit magnifying the, the, the issue. Quit focusing on the problem and start focusing on what God has promised you. Magnify the promise. Magnify the next opportunity that's going to come our way because of this situation that we're in. There was a man who um, was doing some work. In fact, he's a very good friend. In fact, I'll just almost call him my son. In fact, uh, he, he, from the church, he, he, he came over and was doing some work around the house a couple weeks back. And the next day he didn't show up. And so I, I called him up to check in on him, see how he was doing. And, and he said, man, I've been running like crazy. I found out that one of my employees um, got tested positive for the coronavirus. And I was with him. Um, just, you know, five or six days ago. And so I got to be quarantined. I do all that. But more importantly, he said, I started feeling, 
you know, all of a sudden, I, I'm starting to feel actually shortness of breath, which he's got that issue already. And, and, and I began to think, I said, first of all, go get tested, man. And, 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 and later that night, I was contemplating, I was thinking about this, and all of a sudden, I began to feel like a little sniffle coming on. So I started wondering, you know, a little bit. And I called him up the next day, I was just checking. In fact, for the next few days in a row, I was just checking in on him, see how he was doing. And each time I called him, he said, you know what, I'm feeling a little bit worse. You know, the shortness of breath is getting a little bit worse. I, I, I practically begged him, you know, every single time I got on the phone with him, I said, please, go get tested. Whatever you do, don't let another day go by. Go get tested. And finally, he got tested, and he tested negative. Thank the Lord for that. And he suddenly, all of a sudden, he started feeling better. You see, it's our nature to, to focus on the problem, just like the thumb, you know, blocking the sun. We focus in on so much, and we need to stop focusing on the, the times of pressing and start focusing in on the promises. For Joseph, the promise was, was in the dreams that God had given him. What has God promised you? I can give you one, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I say, let's focus in on that. Let, let's, let's dive into that. Let's wrap our mind around that one. Let's magnify that promise. You know, God himself, he's got a plan for us to prosper us. If God is for you, who can be against you? It takes the same amount of, of energy and strength to believe as it does to worry. God is not obligated in any way, shape, or form. He's not like a genie to just go after every uh, whim or every grant, you know, grant every one of your commands. But when his children invoke his promises, man, he gets started on that, and he, he, he takes care of you. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. During this time of pressing that we're in, guys, we're only human. It, we're going to have doubts. And I want to read Isaiah chapter uh, 55 to you, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Guys, I want to tell you right now, in the times of pressing, it's our faith that is the epitome of our strength. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians, for we live by faith. We live by faith, not by sight. After Jesus died on the cross and he arose again, like we just celebrated uh, this past Easter, after, after that, he walks into a room with all the disciples. And here it is, doubting Thomas. And he says, let me touch, let me see your hands. Let me touch your hands. Let me feel the scars. Let me feel your side where, where the sword pierced your side. Let me, let me check that out. Let me feel that. Let me touch that. Because if I touch it, if I feel that, that's proof right there that you really are Jesus. And Jesus said after that, 
He said, blessed are those who haven't seen. Blessed are those who haven't had to touch. Well, we've not seen things come back yet. Restaurants haven't started opening yet. Kids haven't started going back to school. People aren't getting out and about. And and our, our financial accounts haven't been restored. But Jesus said, blessed are those that believe without having to see, without having to touch. I want to conclude with this. As many of you know, Joseph's dad and his brothers, they come back to Egypt. They had to. They needed, if they didn't come back, they wouldn't have gotten grain to exist, to, to live. And so, so they have to come back. And sure enough, indeed, they actually bow to Joseph, who's second in charge of all of Egypt. Just like Joseph's dream as just a young man, he held on to that promise. And Joseph reveals himself to his brothers and, and, and he tells them in, in In chapter 50 of Genesis, verse 20, he says to you brothers, he says, as for you, you meant evil against me. But God, he meant it for good. And you know why? In order to bring about this present result, what's going on right now, in order to preserve your life, in order to preserve the lives of everybody. You see, it's God's process It's his process that after the times of pressing comes the time of promise. And so just like Joseph, I want to say to you, let's trust the dream. Let's trust the promise of God. I've got one more verse. In James chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. To those who love him. God bless you. I love you so much. Have a a faith-filled day. Have a faith-filled week. And we'll see you next week. God bless you.